Hello world, we are recording a podcast. Welcome once again to the Dirty Talk Podcast. This is... Uh, hold on one sec. It's saying my audio is doing echo troubleshoot uh, huh. it says that i've got echo on my audio i don't know i can hear Click you just here fine. really are why you, is it are you hearing tell- me through your headphones uh yeah i i don't think there's any echo but it's telling me my microphone is picking up an echo huh if you're not hearing echo maybe it's being delusional but i've never seen this notification before hmm. um there's you're not uh picking up any echo on your end i don't hear any echo Okay. Well, fuck it. I don't think my speakers are on. Okay. Sorry. All right. Let's go. Let's continue. I think I'm going to leave all that in. <laughs> this is the computer. It's giving me a notification. Value. The computer's wrong. Everything's fine. Carry on. Hello. Again, this is <laughs> TC Rollins. And this is Rain DeGray. And welcome to another episode of the Dirty Talk podcast. This is an even-numbered episode, so it's going out to you, our adoring, loving, general listening public. Hello and welcome. It's ever so good to have you here. If you want to join us every episode, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Dirty Talk Podcast, and you can get all the episodes that don't appear in your regular podcast feed. Double the podcast magic. Double the pleasure, double the fun. Just saying. As we like to say. I'm going to start off this week. I have a recommendation for you because I know how much you love potatoes. I'm a big fan of potatoes. They're awesome. I'm sad to tell you that the World Potato Congress ended about a week ago. We weren't able to attend the World Potato Congress in Dublin, Ireland. Maybe next year we can make the trip if you want to go to the Potato Congress. For some reason, I went down the strange internet rabbit hole of potatoes. And if you want to stay on top of all the news, my recommendation for you, check out potatonewstoday.com. Because it is no nonsense, no frills, news stories from around the world having to do with nothing but potatoes. That's very specialized, <clears throat> and I'm curious to learn more about potatoes. Well, actually. if you're curious to learn more about potatoes, go to potatonewstoday.com, and you will learn all about potatoes, as much as potatoes as you could ever want to learn about. I couldn't find anything about chocolate mashed potatoes, though. I did the poll, and it turns out, evidently, I'm a weirdo, and the votes came in, and nobody wants to put chocolate and potatoes nobody together. Nobody wants to mix chocolate it's mashed potatoes. Just me. I, don't, I mean, I've never tried it, but I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Like, both are good. Well, Maybe they're I mean, good together. You know what we say? You never know until you try. Exactly. Right? For everyone else, I have another recommendation. It's a podcast that just came out, and we are not being paid to promote this podcast in any way. I just thought if they're listening to our podcast, they would find this podcast interesting. It is a new podcast from Pushkin, which is Malcolm Gladwell's podcast company where he does revisionist history. And it's a joint effort with the Financial Times. And you know me and how much I love finance. You do. It's true. And I also like pornography. That's also true. And this mashes up the worlds of porn and finance. It's called Hot Money, Porn, Power, and Profit. And they go deep into the conglomeration in the mid-2000s of all the tube sites and what happened with the death of the production companies and how everything started getting bought up. And there's only one company now that basically owns all porn. Yes. On the internet. 
so they go into the history of that. I was listening to the first couple episodes. They're out now if you want to find it. Hot Money, Porn, Power, and Profit. Your friend Stoya was interviewed for the first episode, and she talks about what it was like when they were making that transition from the studio system to now all the conglomeration of the tube sites. Okay, that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, It's cool that he's covering it. I love the previous stuff he's done. I will definitely check it out. Thank you. He's not on this podcast. No, 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 I know. But like it, it, it's, you're saying it's by his production company, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's the uh, style and the aesthetics that I enjoy. Yes. Yeah. I think you'll like it. I think the people listening will like it, especially if you like finance and like porn, like myself. Those are two of your favorite things. It's true. <laughs> well, you know me. I like to I do. watch I porn while reading financial transcripts. Indeed. Yes, I it love... just makes it juicier. Oh, man. Nothing gets me hotter than some Fed minutes, let me tell you. When the beige book comes out, oh, I'm just rubbing my nipples right now. You're a weirdo. I am not a weirdo. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. I misspoke. Indeed. Entirely normal. That's you. Make fun of my uh, fetishes. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> oh, there's a space for everyone's fetishes. I'm glad your nipples are happy. I'm going to start off this week with some science. Ooh, I like science. I have a scientific research paper that just came out from some students at the University of New Mexico. What this research paper says is that people who consume cannabis are more sociable. Huh. I wouldn't have necessarily made that guess, but okay, go on. I don't know if this was just an excuse to get a bunch of other people high. Probably. They did this test on what they say are 146 healthy young adults between 18 and 25 years old. They tested their urine to see how much trace levels of THC was in their urine, and then they controlled for their sex, age, ethnicity, and childhood socioeconomic status. And they found that the people that used THC scored higher than non-users for pro-social behaviors. Empathy quotient was up, as well as their moral fairness and in-group loyalty was down, so they were more welcoming to people with outside ideas. What they concluded, the findings of this cannabis study, is that people who use it are more agreeable. They have an increased sense of pro-sociability, and they prioritize humanitarian behaviors than people that don't use it, although this declines over the period of time after they've smoked the weed. So I think we've all been there, or maybe not all of us, but you smoke some pot and then you're like, I love the world, man. You're my brother. This is some Bob Marley. Isn't this great? I love you. And then you fall asleep. And then when you wake up, you're like, oh, what the fuck was that? I would associate that more with alcohol. You know that when people have a few drinks, they loosen up, they suddenly start to like other people better, they become more relaxed. I mean, I suppose I could see that with uh, Smoke a little weed to get some iriness going on. (laughs) You love the world. If you've ever listened to reggae, you can tell that these people are very pro-social. Just get together (laughs) and feel all right. That's all we want to do, right? Right. Everyone's your brother. Everyone's your sister. Come on, people. Just get together, smoke the ganj, and feel all right. And this study proves it. Thank you, science. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Science. I might have to smoke some more pot. And, and test it for myself. I don't know. It's legal here in California. I'm sorry if you're living in a place where it's not legal. My, my sympathies go out to you. Indeed. We are full of sympathy. Sorry. 
not everyone's on the green train. No. I do have some hard science for you. Ooh, go on. But by saying hard science, I mean soft robots science. Which is somehow also hard. Yes. Uh, elaborate. Well, it's hard science. Uh, scientists have finally developed a small robot that's kind of like a caterpillar that they can steer inside your body using magnetic fields. They steer it via magnetic fields. Yes. O okay. So they, right. they can put this robot into your body, and it's only about 3.7 millimeters long. And the, the issue they've had before is that there's so many different surfaces inside a human body that a robot would have to navigate. So you don't necessarily want it to have little propellers or anything to propel it forward through fluids or anything like that, because sometimes, depending on if it's going against the flow, it could get swept away or whatever. They found that the best way is that has these little micro spikes at the end. So if you can imagine a double-ended mace is what it looks like. Huh. So it's got little micro spikes and like a caterpillar, the spikes attach itself to your tissue and then the robot can move the front part, attach itself and then detach the back part and scoot itself up to the front part. So it moves along as a, like a caterpillar would move along so it can crawl through your body and the people controlling it can follow its progress through your body. And what this is enabling them to do is delivering either medicine or something else to a specific location in your body because it can carry up to 20 times its own weight. So if you have a, a tumor or something, it can navigate this tiny little robot to the tumor and drop off some sort of medication to help fight the cancer. And those spikes don't cause any damage when it's anchoring yourself and inching forward? No. It, it's, it's so small that it can attach itself to your insides. Like if it's going through an artery or a vein or something like that, it, it just can attach itself and release and it doesn't cause any irritation or any lasting damage to your insides. So far, they've been testing it on pigs and they've been able to navigate it around a pig lung with no ill effects whatsoever. So this wow. is the first time it's this tiny little soft robot right. that they can navigate like a little caterpillar crawling through your body to help wow. you. Science is getting insane. We are living in the future. Well, we yeah. are. And I've been waiting to tell you about this other thing because mm -hmm. I know you have a dream. I have many dreams. Which dream are you referring to? The dream I am referring to is that at some point you would love to be able to upload your mind into a robot body. Yes, that's entirely correct. I know that you have some issues with the body that you were given. It's not always my best friend. I mean, they're very demanding bodies. Mm -hmm. They require so much maintenance. And they're finicky and you're often uncomfortable in them. Yes. Not into it. We have gotten one step closer to being able to control robot bodies with our minds. Do? Yes. Did you hear about the man who late last year sent the first tweet with his mind? No. There is this company that 
have been developing neural implants. Now, the issue they were running into before, because previously to this company coming along, they would drill a hole in somebody's head and try to attach a chip with some electrodes into the brain. Problem with this is that the body's defense mechanisms often attack the invader because they see it as a foreign a enemy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they will attack it and it's not going to work as well. And it's very invasive by putting something in your head and having all these little wires coming out of your head with this chip. And everybody's thought for the longest time, we're just going to put chips in people's heads. There is an alternative that this company has come up with. What they do is they use a catheter. It's the same thing that has been used for heart surgery for a long time. They can go through a vein. So what they do is they stick a catheter in your neck. They guide the catheter up to your brain because there's all sorts of vein structures surrounding the entire brain because it needs lots of blood. Then once the catheter is in the brain, they line these vein structures with electrodes so that they can read all the electric activity coming out of your brain while just completely blanketing your brain in electrodes. They've put people in MRI machines and they will have them think about like wiggle your big toe or snap your fingers. And it turns out that everybody, whenever you're performing any sort of operation, everybody accesses the same part of their brain to wiggle your big toe or wiggle your nose or whistle. They've been able to map these areas of the brain and with the electrodes in the brain that they have put in there via your neck and you have a little wire coming out of your neck, you can think thoughts plug this wire into a computer operating system, the operating system can access the thoughts that you're thinking and turn it into computer code. So this gentleman who has ALS, which some people call Lou Gehrig's disease, even though it might be that Lou Gehrig never actually had Lou Gehrig's disease, was able to send the first tweets late last year using only his mind. He has no use of his body whatsoever. They have completely meshed his brain with electrodes through this process of the the veins. And now he can sit there and actually communicate with the world by using his computer and just thinking at the computer and using it as you would a keyboard just typing. And he can communicate with the world. So it's not a huge step between that and being able to create some sort of robotic skeleton Mm -hmm. that you can then control with your thoughts and Mm -hmm. live the world you still have your brain but if you don't have a working body you can live through basically interacting with a computer wow so but you have to have the wire dangling out of your neck yeah you have a wire dangling out of your neck but you can disguise Mm -hmm. that with wearing a turtleneck or something i'm sure it'll become more and more fashionable as (laughs) the technology improves i i have envisioned for a long time that this is the next evolution of humanity. We're all going to want chips in our head at some point. And as this technology grows, it won't just be for people that have lost the use of their bodies. I'm sure everybody will want some sort of neural mesh put inside themselves, especially if it's fairly non-invasive. They don't have to cut open your head and put a chip in your head. All they have to do is stick something in your neck, put it up through your veins into your head and then enmesh your brain with electrodes and all you have to do, you don't even have to type on your phone anymore. 
you just send text messages to other people's brains by thinking at them. Mm. It'll be telepathy. It'll be it'll it'll revolutionize everything. You never know where these things are going to be 20 years out. Like you had no idea 20 years ago what the internet was going to be. No. Right? And so no. so all this stuff just builds on top of itself, on top of itself, on top of itself. You're not going to need a right. phone anymore in your pocket because you, all the electronics are going to be in your head. Right. Right. But I mean, not everybody. Some people are going to hold out and, you know, the Amish, for one, yes. are not going to sign up for that sort of thing. Oh, of course. And then that's going to be separating humanity. I'm not going to go mm. too far down this rabbit hole, but it'll separate the humanity into the cyborgs and the non-cyborgs. Right. right. There might for be a civil sure. war. <laughs> well, it would be fitting with this timeline. Yes. But I wanted to bring that to you because I know at some point you wanted to have a robot body. So we are one step closer to you being able to have your dreamed of robot body that you can just control with your thoughts. We're even closer than that, my friend. Mm -hmm. Did you hear about the recently developed robot skin? Uh, yes, I have heard that they have lined a robot finger with human skin. Correct. They have printed a hydrogel that is designed to make the fingertips of robots more like humans. So you can be caressed by your robot lover? See, you're making it sexual immediately. Well, they, any, they, any technology that I, we come I, I up know. with automatically is going to go to yes. sex. When we mesh our brains with electrodes, true. eventually people are going to be like, how do I give myself nonstop continuous orgasms? Correct. They're claiming, these scientists, you see, researchers, they're saying it will allow robots to sense temperature and also to know whether or not chemicals are toxic. Mm -hmm. So you're like, look at this useful thing that we have discovered. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yay, you can sense temperature. But my mind immediately went to sex. Yeah. It's true. When, how long it's is it going to be till I get fingered by a robot? <laughs> no, actually, where my mind went is that we are getting more and more lifelike sex robots. Mm -hmm. And once you can make a robot skin where it can feel sensation, it's going to have to feel both good sensation and bad sensation. This is pleasurable. This is bad. Mm -hmm. And I immediately went to BDSM robots that have nerve, uh, what would come across as, as nerve sensitivity and Gimp sensation bot. feeling. Uh, I could Bring easily, me the gimp bot. I could easily see uh, people getting robots that they could beat and the robots could feel the pain. Mm -hmm. If you're having a rough day, if you need to process, if you need to thump someone um, and you're going to do it on a robot, you might as well do it on a robot where their skin can feel something. I can see that's where it would go. I want you to feel this robot. I want you robot yeah. to feel what I feel. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the next exactly. level of sentience. Does that pleasure you, robot? Do you like that sensation? You know, uh, off topic, or maybe it is on topic, uh, somebody at Google thinks that their chatbot has become sentient. Really? Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, the debate as to what makes something a person. And I know we're going to keep running into this as AI becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. But there was right. this guy who was testing out the new Google chatbot called Lambda, and he was arguing that he believes it is sentient. He has since been put on paid leave by Google. <sighs> Like you've gotten too attached to this robot. Yeah, yeah. We're not, I don't think we're ready for sentient robots or sentient AI chatting us up yet. Right. Not until right. we can incorporate our brains into the situation. <laughs> yeah, well, he's probably working a lot, that dude. 
and he probably wants a robot that's sentient and will talk to him. I understand. Covered in human okay. flesh. Covered in human flesh and goose pimpling under the sensation. Yes, indeed. His best friend. Isn't that that's the goosebumps? Horripulation, I believe, is the, the medical term. Horripulation. Huh. Well, I uh, that is a gap in my knowledge, but I will take your word for it. I'll look it up after this podcast is done. Moving on from robots mm -hmm. that can feel sensation, supposedly uh, a woman, um, I mean, she has multiple books out and she's supposed to be a, a leading feminist and she has very strong opinions and she has come out and loudly proclaimed a number of things. One, she is saying that the rise of bottle-fed babies is what's also contributing to a rise in rubber and latex fetishism. Hmm. Okay. Explain. For all of human history, babies have been breastfed. Mm -hmm. And if you couldn't get the milk or the baby couldn't, you know, get the food properly or you dried out and there was no one to help you, baby dead. And we needed to find a more effective way to feed our children. And the second we could come up with bottles, we did. But what makes a bottle work is the nipple. And this author is claiming that babies that are exposed to a rubber nipple as opposed to a natural breast mm -hmm. have a higher chance of getting into BDSM and becoming rubber fetishes. Were you bottle fed? I was not. I was breastfed. Mm -hmm. I think that she's full of it. She also claims that babies that were born through C-section or through mothers that had any sort of painkillers given to them have a higher chance of becoming a substance abusers, hmm. addicts, and alcoholics when they become adults. And these are some really strong Yeah, claims. some strong. I was born via C-section and I have a fine relationship with substance abuse. Were you bottle-fed or breastfed? I have no idea. Ah, I was most distinctly breastfed. And I mean, to be fair, I don't have a rubber or latex fetish. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that she's done enough research to make this sweeping statement. You put the nipple in the baby and have it suckle on the bottle. And when you when it's an adult, it's in a rubber gimp outfit. And if it's been born through C-section or its mother's had painkillers, it's on a bunch of drugs mm. in a rubber gimp outfit. Uh, or if it's a robot in a rubber gimp outfit. <laughs> I need you uh, to feel this, robot. I need yes. you to feel this for me. My question for you then, what kind of fetishes might children who eat period crunch for breakfast develop later on in life? Have you heard of period crunch? No, I never, no. I have no, I have not. What, okay, if, if you could guess, what would you think period crunch is? It's a new breakfast cereal. I want to get myself a box. Uh-huh. Well, it's crunchy, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, it's, it's a texture of crunch. I'm a little confused about the period component of it. Well, it's shaped like little uteruses. They're little <sighs> pink uteruses. It's raspberry flavored cereal that okay. looks like uteruses and it's to promote conversation around menstruation. Oh, well, that's a valuable conversation to have. It's a weird angle to do it through breakfast cereal. In my humble opinion, I wouldn't want to eat pink, crunchy uteruses. But, but you would eat chocolate mashed potatoes. I would try it. I still haven't. I don't know. It could be delicious. I like both of those things very much. They I want to well. get a box. I'm going to contact the company to see if I can get a box of period crunch. And it turns the milk red. 
They're little pink uteruses. You put the milk in it. It turns the milk red, like a nice period red. What they're saying, this this company, Intimania, which makes uh, menstruation cups, pelvic floor exercises, like weights and things like that, they want to promote more conversation and normalize periods and menstruation. And in their minds, what better way to do this than by producing a breakfast cereal of uteruses, which turns the milk red. And you can have your conversation about periods over the breakfast table because instead of having little puzzles and things on the box, there's facts and information about menstruation on the box. All right, but this is my question. What do they use to turn the milk red? Is it what kind of dye? Is it beetroot dye or is uh, it, it might you know, be It might be beets. Yeah. I, I, I would be more amenable if it was beetroot, but if it's FCD dye number five, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. We use way too much food dye. I try to avoid that stuff. Mm. I don't know, like red milk. Yeah, that's uh, that'll be a conversation. Already. It was. Oh, and one of the things they point out from a survey that they've done is that more than three quarters, seventy-seven percent of people have never talked about anything to do with menstruation at the place where the whole household regularly sits down and talks together, the kitchen table. Oh, so why Lord. why would you sit down and talk about menstruation during a meal? Because it's a valuable, important topic, and close to 50% of people on this planet do it, but it's suppressed and hidden and considered embarrassing, and it's not going to go away. It's not. It's, it's here to stay. Right, right. I think it's – I personally believe it's much better to address particularly body stuff. Mm-hmm. There's so many things you're not supposed to talk about. We're all supposed to go through them, but it's like, oh, you just don't ever discuss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowledge is power. Yeah. Well, now you can order yourself a big box of period crunch and talk about menstruation over breakfast. Uh, that is a choice. Indeed. I'm not super sold on the red liquid that you'd be consuming. That's a, a little... I. You know what? It'd probably go over really well with people that aspire to be vampires. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. I'll get a box. I'll let you know how it is. <laughs> Maybe I'll All make right. a video of myself eating some period crunch with my daughter and talking about periods. Ooh. Her being extremely uncomfortable. With oh. her dad eating a big bowl full of uteruses, That's, saying, I mean, it's "Tell me about awkward. your menstruation, honey." Now that we've opened up the communication at the breakfast table, and I'm going to film this and I'm going to release it on the internet. Yes, I'm sure she'll consent to uh, that. That's all the things a teenage girl wants. Yeah, indeed. Thanks, Dad. As long as we're on the topic of food, I have something that I actually think is is pretty cool. It's a little complex, but I want to. Have you heard about? what Postmates is doing for Pride Month. I haven't. I know that Burger King was doing the Pride Whopper. with You could have two bottoms or two tops, which doesn't work at all. You can't have two tops and two bottoms because then nothing fucking happens. It happens. You're just staring at each other. Yeah. Right, right. Well, they don't, I don't think they thought that one through entirely. So what is Postmates doing? Postmates is doing a bottom-friendly menu. So for all of the people who have not interacted with Postmates, you can get food delivered to you. It's actually a pretty popular service. And in honor of Pride Month, Postmates decided we're going to create and put together a bottom-friendly menu. This is for people that would be uh, 
bottoming anally. Okay. It's more high com- fiber items, I guess. Oh, uh, they tell you the foods to avoid, the foods that you should be consuming. Mm-hmm. They make sure that you get bottom friendly foods. They give you tips and techniques for regulating your metabolism. So basically, they're like, we know it can be kind of complex to be ass fucked if you're bottoming, and poop happens. His postmates actually come out and said this. Yep. Like, uh, no, yeah. I'm paraphrasing. We know the complexities as a as a corporation. We know the complexities of getting fucked in the ass, and we're here to help. I'm so glad you brought up the fact that it's a corporation mm-hmm. because here's the thing. I've seen the ad. They went viral over this. Uh-huh. It's Postmates. They are a big old corporation. Oh, yeah. And their ad is a peach half in a jock harness walking into a club. Like, it's very obvious what mm-hmm. they're saying. And it's also uh, quite sexual. And people, educators who are not corporations, people I know that have done much less sexual stuff, are completely shadow banned, not accepted. They can be deplatformed at any time. But if Postmates is like, hey, hey, Pride Month, mm-hmm. we like money. We're piggybacking Let's... on it because all yeah. corporations love to piggyback on Pride Month. Skittles comes and out with their white Pride Pride Month Skittles. Skittles is doing a white Pride Month. All the Skittles are white. They take away the rainbow for Pride Month. So they make all oh. the Skittles white. But unfortunately, I've seen some of the stickers in the stores where the Skittles, all the white Skittles, it says white pride Skittles oh, on, on the little no. banner. It's not really thought out very no, well because they're no, white no, They're no. white Skittles for Pride Month. But if, you, if not, you look at this store tag, yeah, white pride Skittles, it doesn't read very well. Skittles no. Corporation, sorry. Someone didn't think that one through. Well, their argument for the white Skittles is that during Pride Month, there's only one rainbow that matters. So they have removed all their rainbow candies, and now all the Skittles are white for the month of June. All righty then. Ka-ching, ka-ching. I wish they cared about Pride the other 11 months out of the year. Mm. But for one month out of the year, it is all rainbows. Now, I think it's cool that Postmates is sharing knowledge, is taking the time to design a menu like this. But the rules are unevenly applied. And if you're a corporation, you can get away with stuff that would get you, or if you're a celebrity, you can get away with stuff that would get you deplatformed and banned in a second. Mm-hmm. So yay for the knowledge coming out. Cool that people now know there's different stuff they can do with their diet mm-hmm. so they don't accidentally poop on someone. Well, I'm just glad that Postmates is encouraging anal sex. More uh, large the- corporations should go out and encourage anal sex or whatever sexual acts they want to attribute themselves to. Evidently, sushi is an ideal meal if you're going to be doing any anal bottoming. Mm-hmm. All of the ingredients in it are really good and will not get your butt overactive. I'll remember that next time I take a date to sushi. You know, it would be great to follow this meal. <laughs> just, just saying. Just, I'm just saying. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, just throw it out there. Sushi is a perfect meal to follow up with some anal. I know this is a first date, but I'll just let you know, science. Yes, yes, yes. You're going to get all of those second dates. As long as we're on the topic of science, Mm -hmm. you know how much I like science. Uh, We love the science. We do. We do. Sometimes you don't find the dick until you stop looking for the dick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wise words. Scientific bias is a real thing. For 
quite a long time, scientists have been looking for trilobite dick and utterly failing to find it. Of course, because why wouldn't you want to look for some trilobite dick? Well, I mean, you you can you have the preserved fossil. You mm-hmm. can see it. It's an amber or whatever it is. And not everything is perfectly preserved. So some of the more delicate parts like the feathers or some of the antennae or whatever, the more extreme pieces that jut out aren't necessarily preserved. What you're mainly well, seeing- the soft tissue. Kind right, of right, right. Yeah. And also most uh, fossils of them are on their back or on their stomach. Mm-hmm. So it's, it becomes even harder to see detail. These are the bottom, bottoming trilobites probably if they're on their back and on their stomachs. <laughs> Uh, um, maybe, perhaps. We don't know. We don't have the science. We could only make a guess. Mm-hmm. Scientists were guessing and they're like, why can't we find the dick? Where's the dick? There's no dick. We've actually had access to a very rare fossil that has it on its side, which gives much more access to detail that we would miss if it was in the traditional belly up or back down position. Mm-hmm. They don't actually have dicks. We were looking for dick and we couldn't find it. Because so wait, wait, you said that, that we finally found the dick what? and we weren't looking for the dick, though. So, right. So the dick never existed. Their male sexual organs are basically these little clasping pinchers. Uh-huh. The male uses the pinchers to hold the female in place and then he releases a cloud of sperm. <laughs> And that's how she gets fertilized. Mm-hmm. There are other aquatic, uh, seafood will do this, crustaceans will do this. Uh-huh. We just weren't thinking to look for pinchers. They were we're like, looking well, for the sperm cloud. They were looking for the, well, they don't have the sperm cloud. It's, yeah. it's fossilized. They but don't the, have a fossilized sperm cloud? That would be an incredible fossil. They finally looked properly and saw the pinchers and are like, oh, of course, like all of these other mm-hmm. aquatic animals use, not animals, but aquatic life use for procreation. Uh-huh. Same, same here. They these only... poor scientists that have spent their whole careers looking Where's for trilobite cock. Where's like, the cock? There is no trilobite cock. You're looking at it wrong. I've wasted your... my life. That's your scientific bias. You're like, I know what a dick looks like. There should be a dick here. There is no dick. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. Look for the pinchers. Oh, yeah. we Actually, some creatures still do use the pinchers. Ta-da. It was solved. Sometimes you don't find what you're looking for until you stop looking for it. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like your car keys. Exactly. Well, thank you for enlightening us more about the nature of prehistoric dick. I found it fascinating. I totally went down the research hole. I loved it I, because there was it was so many layers. It wasn't just finding that, but it's the scientists have been looking at it improperly and how much scientific bias affects everything that you do when you're doing research. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to shut that off. Definitely hard to shut that off. Well, I'm going to say we're going to call that an episode. I'm going to go order myself a big box of period crunch so I can indulge in some tasty raspberry flavored uteruses or uteri. Okay. All right. Well, you have fun with that. Let me know how it goes. Okay. And give these fine people a jaunty salute before we go. Or I can also mention you can find us on all social medias. We're on Twitter and Instagram and the Facebook. Not on the hip, cool, young kid social medias like the TikToks or the the Snappies or whatever. We're not on TikTok because of the data mining. 
I just, I refuse to give China access to my phone. No, thank you. Hard pass. Have you ever looked at TikTok code? Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Stuff's not good. Uh, but yes, we are very shadow banned. It's, you have to look for us. Please do come by and say hi. The algorithms are hiding us, but I promise we're still here. We're there under our rock. Turn it over. <laughs> we will come scurrying out. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. I have a jaunty salute for all of our fine listeners, and we will catch you next week. Over and out. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.